He is a faithful God. His word says he'll never fail us nor forsake us. His word tells us that he is near the brokenhearted. He hears and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. He is a faithful God. Uh, let's see. Let's begin with a word of prayer, okay? Uh, Clarence, you want to pray for us, bud? Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Clarence, there. Uh, The title of the message is, Why Are We Still Here? Why are we still here? Uh, You know, early in the week, uh, we've been been going through Colossians for the last four or five weeks. And uh, uh, for some reason, I just uh, believe that God has led us to a a different topic today. So we're not going to be in Colossians. I also believe that he knows exactly what he's doing. And I believe that he has uh, uh, put into us a divine appointment to be here, however you want to call it. But I believe without a shadow of a doubt, God has divinely appointed that you'll be here. So he, in essence, he kind of changed the message on me Monday and Tuesday where we wanted to go. So uh, I'm always good with that. And uh, I hope that I always will be. Why are we still here? Interesting question. There's been a uh, theory going around for a whole bunch of years. And they call it the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> the Big Bang Theory. Interesting, isn't it? And in the Big Bang Theory, they said at one time there was no, there was no time or space or energy. But somewhere, somehow, there was this big, huge, intense ball of fire that was just showed up, if you would exploded and it set all the stars and the moon and the planets and the light years all of that set it into being we had one big bang and that's here we here we are during that big bang the animals were made and eventually the human beings were were made obviously you know they came we all came from a monkey and 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 so the big bang theory says yeah that's that's where we've all come from and if that's the case, I mean, if that's where we all came from, uh, from this, uh, this incident, this bang, if that's the case, if that's really what, how we showed up here, I mean, there's really no reason for us to even really be here, is there? That there was some impersonal process that happened, and because of this process, here we are. And because of that, there would be, for us here, there'd be no purpose in life, would there? It just, we just were here, and... Uh, here today, here today, gone tomorrow, okay? But you know, the Bible speaks differently, doesn't it? The Bible doesn't talk about a big bang theory. The Bible in Genesis 1 tells us where we all came from. Uh, Dirk put that up, or Genesis 1, 26 and 27 tells us this. 
that, that God created the heavens and the earth, and you know this, in six days, including the animals, including man, and including woman. Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our own image according to the likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of man, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And, and we won't talk about that today. But you see why we are here. We are here because God created us to be here. And he gave us a purpose to be here. And that purpose was to have dominion over this old earth. Sure doesn't sound like, according to God's word, that the big bang theory holds much water. Or that we came from monkeys. Don't believe that's true, do you? I don't. Man has been here for a long time. And we know since the very beginning in the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve... We know that man has tried to live their life how they wanted to live their life. That they want to make their own decisions. And we know what happened in the Garden of Eden when man chose to be disobedient to God. That he chose to, to not do what God has called him to do. And at that point in the history of mankind, sin entered the world. And because sin entered the world, death enters into the world. And I don't know if you know this, but death separates you and I from holy God. Death, sin separates us from a holy God. You see, man is sinful and God is perfect. And because of that, we, there is a separation there. There is not a relationship there as long as man is sinful and he is holy and he is perfect. Without a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, many folks are left wondering some may be in here, I don't know, but wondering all over the world about who am I? What is my purpose here? And why am I still here? Three questions that every man one day will have to answer. Who am I? What is my purpose? And why am I still here? We're going to look at the last question there today. Why am I still here? And I hope as we look at that question that we'll answer the other two questions, if you would. Who am I and what is my purpose? Why am I still here is the question. Many will say I'm here in order to make a lot of money so that I can have a good life here. I deserve a good life. Some people will say that I'm here because uh, I'm just a good person. And that I need to be nice to people. I need to be friends with people. I just need to, you know, get along with people. And that's my purpose is to do that. That's why I'm still here. To have as many friends as possible. To have some sort of influence over people. To do a lot of good things. A lot of good deeds. Help out folks. And that's my purpose, I guess. But you see, God is, he's interested in our temporal, yeah life here he's very interested in that but he's more interested in the eternal did you know that he's more interested of where you will spend eternity than he is right here on this earth yeah he's here to help you he's here to be with you he's here to help you during difficult times and the good times but 
He is more interested in your eternity. So why are we still here? Here is the first thing I think that we reason that you and I are still here. And that is to glorify God. God created you and me in order that we would glorify Him, that we would praise Him, that we would worship Him, that we would adore Him. Isaiah 43, 7 says it this way. Everyone who is called by my name and when I have created for my glory whom I have formed even when I have made them. We have been created for His glory. Our first purpose is to glorify God. We are not here by accident. We are not here by chance. The God of the universe created us and because of that we are to give Him glory and honor and praise. Why are we to glorify God? Why do we take the time to do that as people? Psalm 139, 16 says it this way. He says, your eyes have seen my unformed substance. Talking about God. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me. When as yet there was not any one of them. You know, God is the God of your beginning. God is the God of your ordained days, the number of days you have here on this earth. And God is the one who has planned out your life. You see, God has so much control that He's not. That He knew you before you were ever born. He knew what was going to happen to you. He knows how many days you got here on this earth. And He has this great plan for you if you'll just follow it. So many times we choose not to follow it. But you see, we are to give Him glory because from the beginning to the end and even in the middle of our lives, God is in control. And because of that, the Bible tells us we are to give Him glory and honor and praise because of who He is. The one who created the universe, the one who hung the sun and the moon and the stars all out there, desires a relationship with us. And He says, I created you in order for you to give glory to me. We are to give glory to the Lord. We give glory to the Lord when our lives are lived according to His standard. When we live our lives according to His Word, according to what we want, then we can give glory through our lives. You know, there was a great man in the Bible who, who was figuring out life. And his name was Solomon. And Solomon, the Bible tells us, he was the, the, the smartest man ever. And he was almost, he probably was the richest man ever. And as he looked back on his life and he, and he saw how he started his life, and he started his life, the Bible would tell us, seeking God, seeking God's presence, seeking God in every aspect of his life, really following, understanding who God is and wanting to be a part of God's, God's kingdom. And he looks back on his life and he goes, boy, life was good there because I was following after the creator of the universe. Life was really good back there. And then he, as he's looking back on the latter part of his years, as he decides he doesn't need God in his life anymore, that I got things going really good over here and I can handle it, God, and I don't need God in my life. 
and he sees what happens to his life. He had all the money in the world. He had the shiniest chariots anybody could ever have. He had more wives than anybody in the history of having a wife. He had everything, buildings, everything he wanted. But he said, man, something's not right here. Something's not right here. In Ecclesiastes, there's a second time I want to say that, 12, 13. The conclusion when all has been said and done. This is as he's ending his life. His life is about to come in, and he thinks back, and he looks back, and he says, you know, I've had all this, good and the bad and the ugly. He says, but here's what I think you need to know. And he says, fear God and keep his commandments. When he boils his life down, and he sees the good and the bad and the ugly, his conclusion is this, the wisest man in the world, fear God and keep his commandments. You see, that word fear is to have awesomeness, is to have respect, to have fear, to be obedient, to love God. He said, you know what? This is what I think your world should be like. Fear God and keep his commandments. All that other stuff that I've done in the past is no good. You see, we glorify God because he's asked us to glorify God. That's one of the purposes that we have in our life is to glorify him. Why, I'm still, why am I still here? The second reason, I think, is to be reconciled with God. Reconciled with God. That word reconciled means to fix, to mend something that is broken. And that something in this case is your relationship with God. Adam and Eve brought sin into the world, separated us from holy God, separated us from from having a relationship with holy God. How do we get that relationship back? How do you get in relationship with holy God? How do you fix that relationship? How do you mend it? Because the Bible says before you became a Christian, you were enemies of the Lord. You were enemies of the Lord. Boy, that's kind of harsh, isn't it? That's, that's the Bible's words, not mine. You were enemies of How do we fix that? Well, you and I can't fix it. Impossible in our own strength to fix it. But you know what God did? God did something very special. God sent his only begotten son to this world to die on a cross for us, to pay the price for our sins. He was a perfect Savior, the perfect Lamb of God. And the Bible says he went to the cross and he hung him up and they killed him. And three days later, he busted out of that grave, the Bible tells us, to be alive and well and sits at the right hand of the Father. And when he came out of that grave, his, the word says, he defeated sin and he defeated death. And because of that, he paid the price for our sins. We all have a sin debt to pay. And because we can't pay it, Jesus did. And what he did on that cross allows you and I allows you and I to choose if we're going to follow him or not. It allows us to choose if we want to be a part of God's kingdom. Do we, do we choose to allow Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of our lives? Or do we just keep, keep on going, doing our own thing? You see, when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, he forgives us of all of our sins. And he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And the Bible says he takes our sin as far as the east is from the west to remember them no more. And when he did that, and when you accepted his son as Lord and Savior, 
Our relationship has now been fixed. We have now reconciled with them. And we can go to him 24-7. We can speak to him. The Bible says he's near. He's, he's not far from us. He saves us. He hears us. He, he understands us. He knows everything about us. Because we have now have a relationship with him. You see, I believe one of the purposes that we have being here on this earth is to be reconciled with God and not to be an enemy with God. You will never have peace with God and the peace of God without being reconciled to God. And the only way you're reconciled to him is through the blood of Jesus Christ. We must be reconciled to him. The third thing, reason why I think we're still here. I think this is why we're here is to seek and to obey the Lord. To seek and obey the Lord. Christians, do we seek and obey the Lord? We're supposed to. I want to give you some verses. Psalm 112, verse 1. It says, Praise the Lord, and how blessed, happy, and content is a man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. You want to be blessed and praise the Lord? Follow his commandments. 1 John 5, 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So many times we think being a Christian, that is hard stuff, and he asks us to do things we can't do. That verse right there says, no, that's not the case. It's not hard to be a Christian, because he gives us the strength that we need in order to be the kind of people that he's called us to be. Acts 5, 29, we must obey God. There you go rather than men. He wants us to serve him, to be, follow him and obey him. John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Exodus 23, 22. But if you truly obey his voice and do all that I say, this is God speaking, then I will be an enemy to your enemy and adversity to your ad- adversaries. See, when we seek the Lord and we decide in our lives we will be obedient to the Lord the Bible says we, he will bless us, he will protect us, he will never fail us, nor forsake us. Why are we still here? We are here, Christians, in order to seek the Lord and to obey what he says. The fourth one, I think, is a little interesting, why we are here. Why are we here? To prepare for eternity. Think about that, to prepare for eternity. This is preparation ground right here for eternity some people will say this is all there is this life is it and when we're done we're done but the Bible speaks that's not true is it the Bible says this is preparation ground zero for eternity the Bible says every person will spend eternity somewhere in this old world somewhere sometime this is not it But we have an eternity, the Bible says. And the Bible says there are two places that every person in this room and every person out there will spend eternity once we are called home. And that first place is heaven. That's where we all want to go. We all want to get there, don't we? Heaven is the spot where we want. And we all desire that. And there's only one little catch to that, though, in there. In order for us, when we pass, to be in heaven. And that is we have to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Nothing can get you there but Jesus. We can spend eternity in heaven because we have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. Or we can choose in our lives to to reject Christ, reject His salvation, reject anything about Him. And the Bible says God is a gentleman. 
And because we choose to reject Christ in this, this old world, we choose to not to seek and obey, not to glorify Him, not to do any of that kind of stuff. The Bible says we will be separated from Him in a place called hell. You see, eternity is for a long, long time, is it not? Eternity is forever. And we can't even picture our mind what eternity looks like. My prayer is every person in this room one day will have make Jesus Lord and Savior of their life so that they too can spend eternity in there. Your works will not get you there like most people will say. Your wealth won't get you there like most people think. Most people who reject Christ say, I want to do life my way. Or in another way to say it, I want to do life the way Frank Sinatra did life. I did it my way. And we pursue all those things in life. We pursue the wealth. We pursue the pleasure. We serve, pursue everything that, that this Lord wants to, this whole world wants to throw at us. And we think, do we not, that that will bring us happiness. That we think that, that this will bring it to us. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I want. Worldly possessions will get it to me. And yet, I just read Ecclesiastes that said, eternity has been set in our hearts. Worldly possessions will never give us what we're looking for. Worldly possessions might give us peace and happiness for a short time. But that, but that, that car begins to rust. That car begins to have to be paid for. That car begins to waste away. That house, all those things that we think will bring happiness does not bring lasting happiness. Because the Bible will tell us there is a hole in our soul. And that hole is, can only be filled through Jesus. Yes, yes, we are preparing for eternity. I love the way Jesus says in Mark 8, 36 and 37, what he says here. And it's a sobering, sobering thought. And Jesus says, what does a profit a man if he were to gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Man gives pleasure, man gives profit, man gives wealth, man gives relationships, man gives power, man gives all kind of stuff thinking they can fill that hole. What does it profit a man if he were to gain the whole world like Solomon had? He had the whole world and yet lose your own soul for eternity? Why, why would you want to spend 70, 80, 50, 60, whatever it is here on this earth accumulating all kind of stuff? All kind of stuff. And yet when you pass from here, what? Somebody else owns that stuff. And you've missed the most important thing in your life. You miss the one who will give you peace. You miss the one who gives you comfort. You miss the one who loves you so much that he gave his son to die on a cross. My question is, why would ever anybody want to do that? You see, right here is preparation for eternity. You see, right here, as Jim was speaking in Sunday school, and I picked this up, he said, you know, there is our option right there. And we have to do this before what? Before we take our last breath, do we, do we not? Because once we take our last breath, the Bible tells us our eternity, we have stepped into eternity. The Bible says today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, not the next day. We're not promised any of those kind of days. We just never know. If you... If you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, if he is, you've rejected him all this time and, and you know, want nothing to do with him, I, I, I get that. 
but you're still here, are you not? You are still here. Why are you still here if, you, if you've rejected Christ all of your life? I can tell you why you're here. Because God himself has given you time to repent. He's given you a few more days to repent, maybe a few more years to repent. I love the verse, 2 uh, Timothy 3, 9. says this, The Lord is not slow about his promise, <laughs> as some count slowness, but is patient towards all. Not wishing anyone should perish, but all come to repentance. You see, if you've never given your heart and life to Christ, he's being patient with you. He's being patient with you, giving you another day, giving you another church service, giving you some more days, some more weeks, more years, maybe some more decades. Because he doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance. So he wants everyone to live with him for an eternity. And right here is how we prepare for that, is it not? We're preparing for that. I hope you're making those preparations. I hope you sent your reservations ahead of you. Okay? And that reservation is stamped Jesus Christ. I hope you're making the correct preparations as people to spend life and eternity with him. Two other things real quickly, I believe, are why we are still here. And these two are for Christians. These are for Christians. And the Bible tells us, why are we still here, Christians? We've got two other things that we need to do besides those I've just talked about. The first thing that we have to do, the Bible tells us, to do good works. To do good works. Christian, to do good works. Ephesians 2.10 says we are created for good works. As Christians, we are created to do good works, the Bible tells us. Works does not provide salvation. We can't be good enough. We can't be good enough, do enough good things to provide salvation. But works proves that we are saved. Work, the works that we do prove that we are saved. What are those good works? What, just, uh, just, uh, what are those good works? I mean, I'm, I'm, you're probably thinking of a few. Let me give you a few. Maybe different than what you're thinking. What are those good works that he's called us to do as Christians? Well, the first one, I think, is we are called to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to produce the fruit in us that he's called us to produce. You see, when we live a life of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness, that is God-honoring. You see, that's God-honoring. And because of that, those, the things that come from living a life like that, having those kind of characteristics in our life, those things that flow from that very much will be pleasing to God. And he will call that good works. I believe good works are living a life worthy of the calling of Christ in your life. And if we are living the Christian walk and we're doing what he's called us to do, the things that we do from that, however you want to label those, those would be called good works. And God would be pleased with that. I believe good works looks like following God's will for your life. Following God's will for your life. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, didn't we? What's his will for your life and my life? To be saved, to be set apart. Okay? To be strong in the faith, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to stand uncompromising in our belief, and knowing that because of that, persecution might come. 
But when we take that and we put that together and the things that flow out of that will be a life of good works. And then the last one I will throw at you right here is to live a life that looks like Christ. I live a life that looks like Christ. The way Christ lived, the way he forgave, the way he loved, the way he thought, the way he spoke, the way he related, the way he forgave, the way he loved. And when we take that and we're living a life that looks like Christ, the things that we do that flow out of that will be called good works. You see, Christians, that's what we're called to do is to do good works. Works that he ordained for us, the Bible tells us, before the foundation of the world. You see, it it doesn't revolve around us so much. It doesn't revolve around the temporary, does it? That list I just gave you, all revolves around God and our relationship that we have with him through Jesus Christ. That's Christian is why we are still here. The last thing I want to give you real quickly is why we are still here, that we are ambassadors for Christ. Christian, we are to tell the world, are we not, the good news of the gospel. We are called to tell somebody that there is a better way in life, that there is a God who loves you so much, that there was a man named Jesus who died on the cross for your sins to pay your sin penalty price. And he loves you so much, and that's what we are called to do as Christians, to speak a word for the Lord. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. Why are we still here, Christians? We are his ambassadors. We are his mouthpieces. You see, when God set all this stuff up, he didn't come up with a plan B. There's no plan B to get the gospel out. He could have said, angels, that's your job. Go do it, angels. Only problem with angels have never received salvation. They don't quite understand the good news. They don't quite understand what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And in God's infinite wisdom, he said, I want my people, my Christians, to be able to go and share the gospel with somebody else, to tell them the good news. That's your job, that's my job, that's all of our job. Why are we still here, Christians? To do good works, to spread the word that God loves them, Jesus died for them, and he rose on the third day. We are to glorify God with our lives. Why are we still here? To glorify him to be reconciled to him, to make that relationship right. And the only way you can make that right is through relationship with Jesus Christ, to serve and obey, to prepare for eternity, to do the things he's called us to do, and to spread the word how good God is. There it is. That's why you're still here. Not much to do with temporal things is it not much to do with I want to give you a bigger house and a bigger car more friends you see we are here in order to bring glory and honor to God that's how you set the thing up I challenge Christians today if you are born again is that what you're doing is your life glorifying God 
Are you doing the things that God's called you to do? Are you seeking Him daily? Are you willing to follow His commandments? You mean you really want me to forgive that person? Uh, yeah, that's what He said. You really you want me to love that unlovable person? Yeah, that's what He said. The Bible says if you love the Lord, you'll follow Him in His commandments. Are you prepared for eternity? If you are, hallelujah. If you aren't, I can tell you how to get there here in our invitation time. I would urge you not to put it off. You know, <laughs> salvation is today. Trish, you want to go? Salvation is today. As the piano plays. I don't know what you're thinking today. I don't know if any of this made sense to you. I don't know. I just know we got a God that loves us so much that He wants to spend eternity with you and I. To spend eternity with Him. And He did everything that was needed to be done for you to be able to get there. And that was to send His Son to die on a cross to pay your sin debt. And all we got to do, all we got to do, is make Him Lord and Savior of our life. Will life be easier from that point on? No, probably not. Probably harder, honestly. Probably harder. But you can put your head on your pillow tonight and sleep well knowing that if something happens to you during the night or the next day, you've got a home in eternity. You're going to be there forever and forever. All because God loves you and all because you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. I would urge you, if you've never done that, to do that today. Do that today. As the piano plays, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Invitation time. If you feel conviction in your heart, if something is going on and you don't understand it that very easily, is the Holy Spirit telling you to make a decision. Step out of that pew and come to the front and accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Christians, I want you to be praying right now. I want you to pray for somebody in this room that needs Jesus. Today's the day. Why are we still here? We're preparing for eternity. As the piano plays, I'll let you do business with God. I'll be up here. Altars are open. Come and reconcile with the God of the universe.